0: i've got an uh, experiment for you to try whenever you get a chance um it's an experiment that you'll have to do in st albans next time it's market day i was there yesterday um on market day i succumbed to buying one of those really big cakes have you ever seen them oh i told myself i wouldn't do it and then i was halfway down it before i realized i bought it anyway um in the market this is the experiment you've got to try uh it's the bustling market. There's uh, cars driving left, right, and center. There's beeping horns and buses. There's people screaming uh, cyclists because they're trying to get by without getting killed on that dangerous road up there. There's, um, there's, there's market traders shouting, bananas, six for a pound. There's music playing from buskers. Have you seen that guy with the stripey top and he plays with the accordion? You know, all of these different sounds. But my experiment is this, how to get the attention of people in a subtle way in amongst all of that noise. Now, I don't mean in a blatant way like shouting bomb or fire. I can tell you a a more subtle way of getting people's attention. All you've got to do, in the midst of all that sound, is put your hand in your pocket, pull out five coins, four coins, three, hey, one coin. You only need one coin. And just turn like that, open up your hand, and let the coins hit the pavement. And you'll see people's attention suddenly will come on you because people will hear that sound you know that sort of clinky tinkly type sound of coins hitting the, the floor hitting the pavement and it will be like this Do you know when you're walking along in the street when you hear a coin hit the floor it's like our brains are hardwired in to see Ooh, it must be mine and you check your pockets is that mine is that my valuables is that my treasure why why do we care well we because we care about Those things that are valuable to us and we care about when those valuable things might be lost. We might have dropped them on the pavement. Um, What is your treasure? What is the thing that you value the most? Is it money? Um, I mean, if we were to really talk about whether or not you value money more than other things, to be honest, most of you, I I would assume, would say, well, money isn't the top value. Imagine if you had the choice, uh, you were standing in front of a burn, your, your house was burning down. And you had your family in one room and your wallet in the other, or your purse in the other, which one would you choose? <laughs> Hang on, there's some people there not sure. I see. Hmm, you know, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> it depends what mood I'm in. You know, most people, I guess not all, but most people would go for the family. I was <laughs> unsure of myself there. Would go for the family, wouldn't you? Because why? Because that's who you, who you value the most. They're like a treasure. They're real treasure. And those things that we treasure, if those things get in danger or lost, then we'll, do, we'll pull out all the stops to, to, to get them back. I mean, if Joy, for example, my wife Joy, if she was lost in London and I heard that she was in danger, I would walk the shoes off my feet to find her back. And I wouldn't rest until I found her because she's my treasure. Sorry, I'm not trying to make you embarrassed. But do you know what I mean? Because I value her so much. <laughs> Sounds a bit corny, but it's true. You know, so when you really value something and treasure something, you're willing to pull out all the stops to find it again if it gets lost. Well, I wonder what God treasures. What do you think is God's biggest God's biggest treasure in the world is? Um maybe it's Mount Everest. Because he owns that, you know. <laughs> he made that. It's a pretty good mountain. And if I was him, I'd be like, wow, hey, that's good. That's one of my favorite things I've ever made. Maybe it's the Pacific Ocean. It's very wet, very big. <laughs> But that's a pretty, thing, a pretty good thing to be proud of, a, a thing to treasure. If you'd made a swimming pool, you'd probably go, hey, I'm, pr- I'm proud of that. If you'd built this Pacific Ocean, wouldn't you not be proud of that? One of your treasured possessions, the planet of Mars, God owns that too, he made that. Pretty good possession, pretty good treasure. But none of those things are what God treasures the most. They're not his most prized possession. Do you wanna know what God's most treasured possession is? It's Peter Laws, me. <laughs> yep, it's Peter Laws, 30 Kings Road, London Coney. That is God's most treasured possession. Me, you're looking at it. And I would add as well, you as well. <laughs> just in case you're like, I got a minute, who's this megalomaniac? It's me, it's you, it's people. People are his most treasured possession. And if there is most treasured possession, if there is treasure, then he will pull out all the stops if that treasure gets lost. We're going to be looking this morning at this idea of being God's treasure. If you think I'm just making this up, listen to this from Deuteronomy 14, verse 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. It's good to feel treasured. Feel it, because God treasures you. But what happens when the treasure gets lost? In these parables we've looked at, we're gonna explore three things. One thing is that we, that people, to God, are a treasure lost. Firstly, it's a treasure that's got lost. Secondly, that we're a treasure sought after, a treasure that God looks for. And thirdly, that we are a treasure that can be found. Okay, a treasure lost treasure sought after and a treasure that can be found let's look at the first one a treasure lost um, I've been lost a few times in my life um, when I was younger really uh, it's the times when we might have been on holiday with parents and um, I'd had a curious way about me and I'd like to explore the hotel or the you know the, used to go to Pontons a lot and Butlands and places like that and would like to explore all over the place uh, uh, when I went on holiday and I got lost a few times but when I was younger when I went back to see um, my mom or my dad I'd, I'd quite happily see that I got lost like I wouldn't be ashamed of it I'd, when I was a really little kid you know I it didn't bother me to admit that I was lost but if you fast forward to when we get older it becomes not as easy to admit that we're lost I mean picture it you've got a couple and they're in a car and they're in central London and they're trying to get somewhere and one of them's got a map and one of them's driving and one of them says to the other face it we're lost and the other one says no we're just not, we haven't just found our way yet that's all you know we don't know where we're going but we're not lost <laughs> you know it's hard to admit that we're lost um and when you think about that word lost it's it's hard to sound not negative when you think about that word i mean think about the way the, the 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 ways we use it hey did you see her the other night gosh she lost it you should have seen her or you might say um oh you know what we've lost that spark a couple might see it, perhaps um Maybe other people might say, you know, oh, he's, he's lost his way in life. Or maybe you just use the classic, get lost. <laughs> you know, it's like negative, isn't it? It's hard not to, be, to sound negative when you hear that word lost. And of course, the word lost is related to the word loser. And nobody likes to be called a loser. <laughs> you know, I found the idea of me being lost spiritually quite patronizing when I first met Christians. Um, christians would come up to me and say oh you know peter you might not realize it but spiritually you're lost you need to be found again by god and while you might be thinking yeah of course yeah, that's theologically right we've got to understand that people who aren't christians get a bit offended by that you know like excuse me don't patronize me i'm quite all right thanks you know life is good i'm not lost people don't like to admit they're lost sounds too negative but actually i was lost spiritually I was really lost and um, i'm glad that i was able to let myself be found by god the bible is pretty clear on this subject human beings have lost it human beings have lost it let me explain spiritually we're losers spiritually we're complete losers let me explain a bit more Uh, god chose israel to be his chosen possession the people of Israel, the, 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 the Jews, and he, and he chose them, not because they were any better than anyone else, because they were nicer people or more obedient, definitely not because they were more obedient, but he picked this nation, to start a relationship with and They threw it back in his face, you know, they went off doing their own thing, just as we do with our relationship with God. Everyone at some point says to God, get lost. Everyone does it. Adam and Eve did it, didn't they? You know, they're in the garden in paradise, God says don't eat of that tree and then they say ah god get lost they might not have said it in so many words but that's what they said but what does it mean to be lost to god well it obviously doesn't mean you're lost in the sense of god is thinking where is he (laughs) you know like when i was if i could say i was spiritually lost before i was a christian it's not like god had no idea where i lived until i became a christian oh i found him again i didn't know it's not physically lost It's lost in a deeper, more spiritual, profound sense. Maybe you've used the term, um, you know, when we've lost a loved one. Someone's passed on, we've lost her, we've lost them. You haven't like physically lost them in one way, but you've lost like the relationship with them. You've lost that, there's something else. You know, it's not physical as such, It's, it's, it's something deeper. When we say get lost to God, ironically, we find ourselves lost in the process, spiritually lost. Bible says we're actually spiritually dead to God when we say get lost get lost spiritually we sort of we, we pretty much die the wages of sin is death and all that this is all pretty bad news most people feel this you know most people can sense this in their heart they can sense like a, a lostness they can sense like you know what oh, that so-and-so person there they, they seem close to God but I, I don't feel it you know I feel he's lost to me I feel he's a distant a million miles away maybe you feel that this morning you feel lost we all feel it because we're treasures lost. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why we might say get lost to God, and we see some of these reasons in these passages. Uh, for example, the first one, the parable of the lost coin. Now, the woman loses the coin. You can't really say it's the coin's fault, can you? <laughs> it's a bit much. If you lose a fiver, when you find it again, do you look at the fiver and say, you naughty fiver? <laughs> you, know, you should have stayed in my purse. I told you. You know, Maybe you do, but obviously, that's crazy. It's not the It's not the money's fault. You know, some people have said, get lost to God and they've had good reason. Let me explain. Um, Maybe they've been brought up in a church or maybe they've had experience of Christians that have been frankly less than Christian. You know, there are, I mean, you you know the stories, you've seen the news stories, you know, Christians acting in ways that aren't only not Christian but are actually criminal, spiritually abusive ways. There's people who've had experiences of church and they have quite rightly, really. They've said, get lost to God, not realizing that it's people, you know, people can represent God in a bad way, but it doesn't mean God is who that person represents, you know what I mean? This, this idea that we can say, get lost to God, some people have said get lost, and really they've got quite good reasons. But there's more parables here, and it goes on to say how actually, at the end of the day, we all choose to be lost. We all choose to make our decision. Sometimes it comes through sheer ignorance, and I don't mean ignorance in a cheeky way, but, you know, ignorance means, you know, you don't, you don't realise, you're not aware. Like sheep, sheep sort of wander off. Sheep are fairly ignorant in a way because they, you know, oh, I'll go that way. That looks nice. And even if they're going to walk off the edge of a cliff or into an electric fence, you know, they don't realise that they're, they're not aware. They're not aware they should really stick together. That's why you have shepherds. That's why you have uh, dogs to keep them all together. And like sheep, many people, just through pure lack of awareness, have just wandered off. You know, I didn't consciously see I'm going to defy God when I was younger. I just thought, well, I don't really think he's got much to offer, really. So sort of ignorance, you know, not realizing God was who he was. Or sometimes we deliberately defy God and make ourselves lost like the son, like the prodigal son. Have you noticed, like, he doesn't accidentally leave home in this story. He, it's premeditated. He goes to the dad and says pretty much, dad, drop dead. Financially speaking, I mean. You know, he wants for his inheritance before the dad has died. Now, for those of you who have children, I don't have children, but if you've got children, can you imagine how you'd feel if one of your sons or daughters came up and said, oh, is it possible I could have my share of the inheritance? I know you're not dead yet, but I want the money now. It's so cheeky. It's just pure cheek. And it goes off, you know, like this son has deliberately defied God, deliberately said, get lost. Sorry, deliberately uh, defied the dad. And said, get lost. At the end of the day, we might be God's treasures. But in one way or another, we've deliberately said to God, get lost. All of us. The Bible says everybody. And ironically, when we say get lost to God, we end up getting lost ourselves. We're a treasure lost. Second thing, it's a bit short of this one. A treasure sought after. We're a treasure sought after. Um, when we value something, we want to find it again. This watch I'm wearing now, I don't know if you can see, but I smashed it. It fell out of the locker when I was uh, playing squash and it came out and boom, fell on the floor, smashed all the glass in the front of it. Now, this has been my favourite watch ever, right? It's, it, I just love the design of it. I think it's really cool. Right? I, know, I, I like sort of space agey type designs and stuff. And I just thought, oh, that's my favourite watch ever. Love that watch. We'd we'll we'll look at it someday, oh, what a great watch, right? If I really valued it, then therefore I would want to replace it with the same watch, wouldn't I? And I went to the shop and saw it and there it was there for the same price as what I bought it for like a year and a half ago. But I found myself thinking, "Mm, maybe I'll get a different watch, you know, I'll try something else. I, I thought I really valued this watch, but maybe I didn't value it quite as much as I thought. Because if I really valued it, I want to wear this watch for the rest of my life. No, I only valued this watch for a season. Sometimes we might get the idea that only God values us for a season. Uh, that the passages in the Bible where God says you are my treasured possession were like for a certain time in history and that maybe he's changed his mind now. When we get broken, it all gets smashed up and we tell God to go and get lost. We might think God will say, oh, you know, maybe I'll try something else. Maybe I'll try a new people, a new approach. Well, this passage, these, um, these parables shows us that we're treasures that God will pull out all the stops to find again, all the stops. He values us not just for a season but forever in the parable we see a shepherd and a woman and a farmer and they make a lot of effort when you look look at it they don't just sit back and say, oh well you know you win some you lose some the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one that takes effort that takes risk the woman lights a lamp she sweeps the house she uh, searches carefully that takes effort the prodigal son, when he comes back and sees the father, the father sees him coming from a long way off. The implication is that the father is out waiting for him to come back. It takes effort. Jesus makes an effort in finding the treasures that he's lost, the effort in finding us. I mean, if you want to look at effort, when we take communion later, that's the most amazing effort you'll ever see. That Jesus should come to earth and value us enough to even come to earth to live a life, to teach, and then to die, and then to rise again, and then to promise to come back again, that takes effort. And you only, do, you only take effort over things you value. You lose five pence. You might go, oh, well, five p, hey, you know, I'm all right. You lose 50 quid, right? You're tearing your hair out to find that 50 quid again. Well, Jesus values you more than 50 quid, and he teared more than his hair out to get you back. The life and death of Jesus shows us that you are valuable and worth finding again. So that's the second thing, a treasure sought after. We might be treasures lost, but we're a treasure sought after. And the last thing is that we're a treasure that can be found. We're not lost forever. We can actually be found. You know, probably the best thing about this, these passages, these parables, is the way that they end. They end brilliantly. They end all the same. They end by something being lost and then something being found at the end. Um, and when you think about the amount of space this story takes up it's a whole chapter jesus tells three similar stories making the same point really he's obviously trying to get something across to us what's he trying to say he's trying to say where treasures not where treasures lost but what treasures that can be found some people think they're they're one of the people who won't get found by god some people think um they're one of the people who god will struggle with to find. Have you ever have you ever heard that? Maybe you've said it yourself. You've said things like, um, "Oh, God's got his work cut out with me. <laughs> oh, God's going to struggle to find me. You know, because I'm not your average bear. I tell you what, he's going to struggle to try and uh, track me down." This idea that God is going to struggle. Look, everyone, everyone is findable. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. It's not like this. God comes along and it's like this microscopic needle in a planet-sized haystack that he's trying to find you. You know, the way to be found by God is to stop seeing, get lost to God. That's how to get found. And the only way to not be found is to carry on seeing, get lost to God. When he knocks at your door, maybe he's even knocking this morning, you can sense him knocking in your heart. It's up to you to say, come on in or get lost. But everyone's findable. And if we choose to be found, if we decide, you know what, I'm gonna humble myself like the son did and I'm gonna admit that I've made mistakes. I'll come back. Like the son, we'll find an unexpected response from the father. You see, when the Pharisees heard this story initially, they would have been disgusted and shocked at the way this story came out. Because they were listening to the story thinking, God, this son, what a rotten lad. He's disrespected his parent. He's gone off and wasted his money. He starts um, living with pigs. Now, to us, that might just be a horrible idea. But remember, to, to the Jews at the time, like, you know, this was, these are filthy animals. These were unclean. And they would be like, "What what is he doing? This is disgusting. So when the son comes back and the dad goes out to meet him, they would have been waiting for Jesus to say, the, you know, the, the dad to say, oh, you know, get on your knees and beg. Or say sorry. But that's not what happens. The dad... Gives him a huge hug. Says through a party. He doesn't, if you notice when you read it, he doesn't even give a great deal of time for the guy to get his confession out. He seems to be too busy. The dad's too busy trying to get this party started and to try to celebrate that he's come home. He gives him a, a sandals on his feet. That's, that, that, was, that was a big sign, signal then to say you're not a slave. Slaves didn't have uh, things on their feet. That was a sort of sign that you were a slave then. Give him sandals, it shows you remember a member of the household. It gives him a ring, shows that he has authority. You know, this is uh, not the sort of response you get. And this is the image of God we're left with, of a God when we come back to him, of not seeing, it's about time you come back, you sinner. It's God going, yes, you're back. You're my treasured possession. I have searched for you high and low, knowing knowing that you said get lost many days many times but i'm so glad you said you've come back of course not everyone wants to celebrate and we won't go into this too deeply but you know the older brother gets grumpy about the whole thing and um maybe you can sympathize with the older brother saying hey i've been faithful to you all this time why don't you throw a party to me for me maybe he's been in the dad's household so long he gets the idea that he should have a fast track to the father Um, maybe he thinks I've served you you know I've done the right thing with my life I deserve a party dad and actually you know it's a bit like what the Pharisees would have thought at the time Jesus is there talking about the kingdom of God Pharisees will be thinking well you know we've uh, kept the Sabbath day holy and we've done this and we've done that and we've done all this activity we should really have the fast track to heaven Jesus comes along and says nah you've got it all wrong everybody's lost and the way to get to heaven the way to know God is to say I'm here to stop saying get lost and be found and the way it ends I don't know if you've noticed but it just sort of ends it doesn't like sort of wrap up it's like the end of it it's like a cliffhanger almost when you read it you know it's basically left with the dad i um, saying to the son you know uh, he's, he's, he's lost but now he's found and we don't know how the dad uh, the, the, the the other um, brother reacts does he go back in and take part or does he storm off? It's like the end of a, um, like a soap opera or something. You almost expect when you read it, you know, the. You know, at the end of it, it feels like what's going to happen next week? And it's left to, I think it's deliberate. It's left to you to think well, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to this message? How are you going to respond where you see people who are lost and found that you might think, oh. I don't think they should be in church, you know. We—it's a challenge for us. So there we have it, anyway. A treasure lost, a treasure sought, and a treasure that can be found. You know, just to wrap it up. Um, have you seen Keith Chegwin on GMTV when he gives away those checks? And he gives away a ten thousand pound check on a morning, and he gives it to people. Uh, it's like a prize. They just turn up on the morning and he gives them out a check, and the, the, the delight that they have, making people happy is amazing it's wonderful now that makes him feel good and giving people delight makes you feel good if you're a doctor and you say to someone you know the tests are clear you're going to be all right i wonder what that makes the doctor feel like it must make him feel so great inside or maybe a rescue worker says to a family it's all right we found him he's safe he's going to be fine imagine the pleasure that gives to people well, I wonder, would you like to give pleasure to God? Is that something you think you would enjoy doing? Do you Think it's something worth doing, giving pleasure to God? If you would like to bring a smile to God's face and give him an excuse for a party, because God loves a party, well, firstly, be found. Be found, because nothing brings joy to the heart of God that when his lost treasures are found. Come to him humbly and say, I'm sorry, but bring me back, have me back. And then once you've been found, secondly, join the search party because there's a whole bunch of other people who are lost, who need to be found. At the end of the day, humans are treasures lost, treasures sought after, but we're treasures that can be found. If uh, We're coming to our time of communion in a second. But if during the communion for the rest of the service, if you'd like to be found today, Maybe you've not become a Christian before. If you would like to, you know, you can come and talk to me or anyone and and pray and um, you can make that step today. Um, If you don't want to come to somebody else, you can just pray yourself. Just say to God, I'm sorry. I've made mistakes, but I realize that I want to be found by you. And today I'm stopping saying get lost. Come into my life. That's all you have to say. And if you make that prayer and that step, God will make that step into your life. And that'll be the best move you ever make. And there'll be parties in heaven because of it.